Welcome again to Fast Asleep. We are really so glad you're here. If you are finally finished with, I know, finally finished, I say, because you fall asleep and you've got to go back and try to find the ending, especially when you know there's another part coming. So, yeah, if you are now finally finished with our Lucy Clifford story, you are all set now for today's conclusion. Yeah, Lucy Clifford, the extraordinary Lucy Clifford. Do you know she was friend to Rudyard Kipling, Thomas Harding, and Henry James? And yet, despite these wonderful luminaries and being good friends with them, her works were lost for nearly a century. Mm -hmm. It's thought that her writings were meant as cautionary tales for Victorian children in Yule definitely see what I mean when you finish this conclusion. But today, her stories are thought to definitely fall into the horror category. You will know what I mean soon. Tuck in, everybody. Let's get ready for the conclusion of The New Mother. Good day, said the village girl, when she saw Blue Eyes and the turkey approach. She was again sitting by the heap of stones, and under her shawl, the pear drum, was hidden. She looked just as if she had not moved since the day before. Good day, she said, in the same cheerful voice in which she had spoken yesterday. The weather is really charming. Are the little man and woman there? The children asked, taking no notice of her remark. Yes, why thank you for inquiring after them, the girl answered. They are both here and quite well. The little man is learning how to rattle the money in his pocket. And the little woman has heard a secret. She tells it while she dances. Oh, do let us see, they entreated. Oh. Quite impossible, I assure you, the girl answered promptly. You see, you are good. Oh, said Blue Eyes, sadly. But Mother says if we are naughty, she will go away and send home a new mother with glass eyes and a wooden tail. Indeed, said the girl still speaking in the same unconcerned voice. That is what they all say. What do you mean? asked the turkey. Well, they all threaten that kind of thing. Of course, really, there are no mothers with glass eyes and wooden tails. Why, that would be much too expensive to make. In the common sense of this remark, the children, especially the turkey, saw at once. But They merely said, half crying, We think you might let us see the little man and woman dance. Mm, The kind of thing you would think, remarked the village girl. But will you if we are naughty? They asked in despair. Mm, I fear you could not be naughty. That is really, even if you tried, she said 
scornfully. Oh, but we will try. We will indeed, they cried. So, do show them to us. Well, certainly not beforehand, answered the girl, getting up and preparing to walk away. But if we are very naughty tonight, will you let us see them tomorrow? Hmm. Questions asked today are always best answered tomorrow, the girl said, and turned round as if to walk on. Good day, she said blithely. I must really go and play a little to myself. Good day, she repeated, and then suddenly she she began to sing. Oh, sweet and fair's the ladybird, and so's the bumblebee. But I myself have long preferred the gentle chimpanzee, the gentle chimpanzee, the gentle chim... Oh, I beg your pardon, she said, stopping and looking over her shoulder. It's very rude to sing without leave before company. I won't do it again. Oh, do, do go on, the children said. Oh, I'm going, she said, and walked away. No, 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 we mean go on singing, they explained. And do, let us just hear you play, they entreated, remembering that as yet they had not heard a single sound from that pear drum. Oh, that's quite impossible, she called out as she went along. You are good, as I remarked before. The pleasure of goodness centers in itself. The pleasures of naughtiness are many and varied. Good day, she shouted, for she was almost out of hearing. Well, for a few minutes, the children stood still looking after her, and then, well, they broke down and cried. She might have let us see them. They sobbed. The turkey was the first to wipe away her tears. Let us go home and be very naughty, she said. Then perhaps she will let us see them tomorrow. But what shall we do? Asked Blue Eyes, looking up. Then, together, all the way home, they planned how to begin being naughty. And that afternoon, oh, the dear mother was sorely distressed. For instead of sitting at their tea as usual with smiling, happy faces, and then helping her to clear away and doing all she told them, they broke their mugs and threw their bread and butter on the floor. And when the mother told them to do one thing, they carefully went and did another. And as for helping her to put away, they left her to do it all by herself and only stamped their feet with rage when she told them to go upstairs until they were good. We won't be good, they cried. We hate being good and we always mean to be naughty. We like being naughty very much. Now, do you remember what I told you I should do if you were very, very naughty? She asked sadly. Yes, we know, 
true, they cried. There is no mother with a wooden tail and glass eyes. And if there were, we should just stick pins into her and send her away. But there is none. Then the mother became really angry at last and sent them off to bed. But instead of crying and being sorry at her anger, they laughed for joy. And when they were in bed, they sat up and sang merry songs at the top of their voices. The next morning, quite early, without asking leave from the mother, the children got up and ran off as fast as they could over the fields towards the bridge to look for the village girl. She was sitting, as usual, by the heap of stones with the pear drum under her shawl. Now, please show us the little man and woman, they cried, and let us hear the pear drum. We were very naughty last night, but the girl kept the pear drum carefully hidden. We were very naughty, the children cried again. Indeed, she said in precisely the same tone in which she had spoken yesterday. But we were, they repeated. We were, indeed. So you say, she answered. You were not half naughty enough. Why, we were sent to bed. Mm, just so, said the girl, putting the other corner of the shawl over the pear drum. If you had been really naughty, you wouldn't have gone. But mm, you can't help it, you see. As I remarked before, it requires a great deal of skill to be naughty well. But we broke our mugs. We threw our bread and butter on the floor. We did everything we could to be tiresome. Mm, mere trifles, answered the village girl, a bit scornfully. Did you throw cold water on the fire? Did you break the clock? Did you pull all the tins down from the walls and throw them on the floor? No, exclaimed the children, aghast. We, we did not do that. Mm, I thought not, the girl answered. So many people mistake a little noise and foolishness for real naughtiness. But as I remarked before, it wants skill to do the thing properly. Well, good day. And before they could say another word, she had vanished. We'll be much worse, the children cried in despair. We'll go and do all the things she says. And then they went home and did all these things. They threw water on the fire. They pulled down the baking dish and the cake tin, the fish slice, and the lid of the saucepan they had never seen, and banged them on the floor. They broke the clock and danced on the butter. Why, they turned everything upside down, and then they sat still and wondered mm, if they were naughty enough. Oh, and when the mother saw all they had done, she did not scold them as she had the day before or send them to bed. 
but she just broke down and cried. And then she looked at the children and said sadly, unless you are good tomorrow, oh, my poor blue eyes and turkey, I shall indeed have to go away and come back no more. And the new mother I told you of will come to to you. They did not believe her, yet their hearts ached when they saw how unhappy she looked, and they thought within themselves that when they once had seen the little man and the woman dance, they would be good to the dear mother forever afterwards, and they could not be good now. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Not till they heard the sound of that pear drum and seen the little man and woman dance. Oh, and heard the secret told. Then, then they would be satisfied. Well, the next morning, before the birds were stirring, before the sun had climbed high enough to look in at their bedroom window, or the flowers had wiped their eyes ready for the day, the children got up and crept out of the cottage and ran across the fields. They did not think the village girl would be up so very early, but their hearts ached so much at the sight of the mother's sad face that they had not been able to sleep, and they longed to know if they had been naughty enough, and if they might, oh, just once, hear the pear drum and see the little man and woman, and then go home and be good forever. To their surprise, they found the village girl sitting by the heap of stones, just as if it were her natural home. They ran fast when they saw her, and they noticed that the box containing the little man and woman was open. Oh, but she closed it quickly when she saw them, and they heard the clicking of the spring that kept it fast. We've been very naughty, they cried. We have done all the things you told us. Now will you show us the little man and woman? The girl looked at them curiously. Then drew the yellow silk handkerchief she sometimes wore round her head out of her pocket and began to smooth out the creases in it with her hands. You really seem quite excited, she said in her usual voice. You should be calm. Calmness gathers in and hides things like a big cloak or like my shawl does here, for instance. And she looked down at the ragged covering that hid the pear drum. We have done all the things you told us, the children cried again. And we do so long to hear the the secret. But the girl went on smoothing out her handkerchief. I am so very particular about my dress, 
she said. They could hardly listen to her in their excitement. But do tell, if we may see the little man and woman, they entreated again. We have been so very naughty. And mother, mother says she will go away today and send home a new mother if we're not good. Indeed, said the girl, beginning to be interested and amused. The things that people say are most singular and amusing. There is an endless variety in language, but the children, the children did not understand. They only entreated once more to see the little man and woman. Well, let me see, the girl said at last, just as if she were relenting. Now, when did you say your mother would go? Well, but if she goes, what shall we do? They cried in despair. We don't want her to go. We love her so much. Oh, what shall we do if she goes? Oh, well, people go and people come. First, they go and then they come. Perhaps she will go before she comes. Wait, oh, she couldn't come before she goes. Oh, you'd better go back and be good, the girl added suddenly. You are really not clever enough to be anything else. And the little woman's secret is very important. Why, she never tells it for make-believe naughtiness. But, but, we did do all the things you told us, the children cried despairingly. Well, you didn't throw the looking glass out the window, and you didn't stand the baby on its head. No, we didn't do that, the children gasped. Mm, I thought not, the girl said triumphantly. Well, good day. I shall not be here tomorrow. Good day. Oh, but don't go away, they cried. We are so unhappy. Do let us see them just once. Well, well, I shall go past your cottage at 11 o'clock this morning, the girl said. Perhaps I shall play the pear drum as I go by. And will you show us the man and woman, they asked. Oh, quite impossible, unless you have really deserved it. Make-believe naughtiness is only spoilt goodness. Now, me think, let me think, if you break the looking glass and do the things that are desired. Oh, we will, we will, they cried. We will be very naughty until we hear you coming. Uh, it's a waste of time, I fear, the girl said. But of course, I should not like to interfere with you. You see, the little man and woman, they're very used to the best of society. They're very particular. Good day, she said, just as she always said, and then quickly turned away, but she looked back and called out, 11 o'clock, I 
shall be quite punctual. I am very particular about my engagements. Then, again, the children went home and were naughty. Oh, so very, very naughty that the dear mother's heart ached and her eyes just filled with tears. And at last, she just went upstairs and slowly put on her best gown and her new sunbonnet. And she dressed the baby all in its Sunday clothes. And then she came down and stood before Blue Eyes and the turkey. And just as she did so, just as she did so, the turkey threw the looking glass out of the window and it fell with a loud crash upon the ground. Goodbye, my children, the mother said sadly, kissing them. Goodbye, my blue eyes. Goodbye, my turkey. The new mother will be home presently. Oh, my poor, poor children. And then, Weeping bitterly, the mother took the baby in her arms and turned to leave the house. But mother, the children cried, we are... And then suddenly the broken clock struck half past ten, and they knew that in half an hour the village girl would come by playing on the pear drum. But mother, we will be good at half past eleven. Come back at half past eleven, they cried, and we'll both be good. We will indeed. We must be naughty till eleven o'clock. But the mother only picked up the little bundle in which she had tied up her cotton apron and a pair of old shoes, and she went slowly out the door. It seemed as if the children were spellbound and they could not follow her. They opened the window wide and called after her, Mother! Mother! Oh, dear mother! Come back again! We will be good! Well, we'll be good now! We'll be good forevermore if you just come back! But the mother only looked round and shook her head. And they could see the tears falling down her cheeks. Come back, dear mother, cried Blue Eyes. But still the mother went on across the fields. Come back, come back, cried the turkey. But still the mother went on. Just by the corner of the field, she stopped and turned and waved her handkerchief, all wet with tears, to the children at the window. She even made the baby kiss its hand. And in a moment, mother and baby had vanished from their sight. The children felt their hearts ache with sorrow, and they cried bitterly just as the mother had done. 
And yet, they could not quite believe that she had gone. Surely she would come back, they thought. She, she would not leave them all together. But oh, if she did, Ooh, if she did, if she did. And then the broken clock struck 11 and suddenly there was a sound, a quick clanging, jangling sound with a strange discordant one at intervals. And they looked at each other while their hearts stood still for they knew it was the pear drum. They rushed to the open window and there they saw the village girl coming towards them from the fields, dancing along and playing as she did so. Behind her, walking slowly and yet ever keeping the same distance from her, was the man with the dogs whom they had seen asleep by the blue lion. On the day they first saw the girl with the pear drum, he was playing on a flute that had a strange, shrill sound. Well, they could hear it plainly above the jangling of the pear drum. After the man followed the two dogs, slowly waltzing round and round on their hind legs. We have done all you told us, the children called when they recovered from their astonishment. Come and see, and now you can show us the little man and woman. The girl did not cease her playing or her dancing, but she called out in a voice that was half speaking, half singing, and seemed to keep time to the strange music of the pear drum. You did it all badly. You threw the water on the wrong side of the fire. The tin things were not quite in the middle of the room. The clock was not broken enough and you did not stand the baby on its head. Wow. Then the children, still standing spellbound by the window, cried out, entreating and all wringing their hands. Oh, but we have done everything you told us. Oh, and mother has gone away. Show us the little man and woman now and let us hear the secret. As they said this, the girl was just in front of the cottage, but she did not stop playing. The sound of the strings seemed to go through their hearts. She did not stop dancing while she was already passing the cottage by. She did not stop singing and all she said sounded like, well, part of a terrible song. Oh, and still the man followed her, always at the same distance, playing shrilly on his flute. And still the dogs waltzed round and round after him, their tails motionless, their legs straight, their collars clean and white and stiff, on and on they went, all of them together. Oh, stop, the children cried, and show us the little man and woman now. But the girl sang out loud and clear, 
while the string that was out of tune twanged above her voice. The little man and woman, they are far away. See their boxes empty, empty for the day. And then for the first time, the children saw that the lid of the box was raised and hanging back and that no little man and woman were in it. I am going to my own land, the girl sang, to the land where I was born. And she went on towards the long straight road that led to the city many, many miles away. But wait, our mother is gone, the children cried. Our dear mother, will she ever come back? No, sang the girl. She'll never come back. She'll never come back. I saw her by the bridge. She took a boat upon the river. She is sailing to the sea. She will meet your father once again. And they will go sailing on, sailing to the countries far away. And when they heard this, the children cried out, but they could say no more, for their hearts seemed to be breaking. Then the girl, oh, her voice getting fainter and fainter in the distance, called out once more to them, but for the dread that sharpened their ears, they would hardly have been able to hear her. So far away was she, and so discordant was the music. Your mother is coming. Your new mother is coming. She's already on her way. But she walks. She only walks slowly. For her tail is rather long, and her spectacles are left behind but she is coming she is coming she is coming she is coming the last words died away it was the last one they ever heard the village girl utter on she went dancing on and on followed the man they could see that he was still playing, but they could no longer hear the sound of his flute. And on went the dogs, round and round and round. On they all went, farther and farther away, till they were separate things, no more. Till they were just a confused mass of faded color, till they were a dark, misty object that nothing could define till they had vanished altogether, altogether and forever. And then the children turned and looked at each other and at the little cottage home that only a week before had been so bright and happy, so cozy and so spotless. The fire was out, 
and the water was still among the cinders. The baking dish and cake tin, the fish slice and the saucepan, which the dear mother used to spend so much time in rubbing, were all pulled down from the nails on which they had hung so long and were lying on the floor. And there was the clock, all broken and spoilt. The little picture on its face could be seen no more. And though it sometimes struck a stray hour, it was with the tone of a clock whose hours are numbered. Ah, and there was the baby's high chair, but no little baby to sit in it. There was the cupboard on the wall, and never a sweet loaf on its shelf. And there were the broken mugs, oh, and the bits of bread tossed about, and the greasy boards, which the mother had knelt down to scrub until they were white as snow. In the midst of all stood the children, looking at the wreck they had made, their hearts aching, their eyes blinded with tears, and their poor little hands clasped together in their misery. Oh, what shall we do? cried Blue Eyes. I wish we had never seen the village girl and that nasty, nasty pear drum. Well, surely mother, surely mother will come back, sobbed the turkey. I am sure we will die if she does not come back. I don't know what we shall do if the new mother comes, cried Blue Eyes. I shall never, never like any other mother. I don't know what we shall do if that dreadful mother comes. Well, we won't let her in, said the turkey. Perhaps she'll just walk in, sobbed Blue Eyes. And then Turkey stopped crying for a minute to think what should be done. Well, we'll bolt the door, she said, and shut the window and we won't take any notice when she knocks. So they bolted the door and shut the window and fastened it, and then, in spite of all they said, they actually felt naughty again and longed after the little man and woman that they never had seen, far more than after their mother, who had loved them all their lives. But then... They did not really believe that their own mother would not come back or that any new mother would take her place. When it was dinner time, they were very hungry, but they could only find some stale bread and they had to be content with it. Oh, I wish we'd heard that little woman's secret cried the turkey. I wouldn't have cared then. All through the afternoon, they sat watching and listening for, for fear of the new mother. But they saw and heard nothing of her. And gradually they became less and less afraid lest she should come. And then they thought that perhaps when it was dark, their own dear mother would come home. And perhaps if they asked her to forgive them, she would. And then Blue Eyes thought that if their mother did come, why, 
she would be very cold. So they crept out at the back door and gathered in some wood. And at last, for the grate was wet and it was a great deal of trouble to manage it, they made a fire. When they saw the bright fire burning and the little flames leaping and playing among the wood and coal, they began to be happy again and to feel certain that their own mother would return. And the sight of the pleasant fire reminded them of all the times she had waited for them to come from the post office and how she had welcomed them and comforted them and given them nice warm tea and sweet bread and talked to them. Oh, how sorry they were that they had been naughty. And all for that nasty village girl. They did not care a bit about the little man and woman now or want to even hear the secret. They fetched a pail of water and washed the floor. They found some rags and rubbed the tins till they looked bright again. And putting a footstool on a chair, they got up on it ooh, very carefully and hung up the things in their places. And then they picked up the broken mugs and made the room as neat as they could till it looked more and more as if the dear mother's hands had been busy about it. They felt more and more certain she would return. She and the dear little baby together. Mm. And they thought they would set the tea things for her just as she had so often set for them, her naughty children. They took down the tea tray and got out the cups and put the kettle on the fire to boil and made everything look as homelike as they could. Well, there was no sweet loaf to put on the table, but perhaps the mother would bring something from the village, they thought. At last, all was ready, and Blue Eyes and the turkey washed their faces and their hands and then sat and waited for... Of course, they did not believe what the village girl had said about their mother sailing away. Suddenly, while they were sitting by the fire, they heard a sound as of something heavy being dragged along the ground outside. And then there was a loud and terrible knocking at the door. Oh, the children felt their hearts stand still. They knew it could not be their own mother. Well, for she would have turned the handle and tried to come in without any knocking at all. Oh, turkey, whispered Blue Eyes. If, if it should be the new mother, what shall we do? Well, we won't let her in, whispered the turkey, for she was afraid to speak out loud. And again, there came a long and loud and terrible knocking at the door. Oh, what shall we do? What shall we do? cried the children in despair. Oh, go away, they called out. Go away, we won't let you in. We will never be naughty anymore, so just go away, go away. But again, there came a loud and terrible knocking. She'll break the door, 
She knocks so hard, cried Blue Eyes. Go, put your back to it, whispered the turkey, and I'll peep out the window and try to see if it really is the new mother. So in fear and trembling, Blue Eyes put her back against the door, and the turkey went to the window and, pressing her face against one side of the frame, peeped out. Oh, she could just see a black satin bonnet with a frill round the edge and a long, bony arm carrying a black leather bag. From beneath the bonnet there flashed a strange bright light. Oh, Turkey's heart sank and her cheeks turned pale for she knew it was the flashing of two glass eyes. She crept up to Blue Eyes. It is. It is. It is. She whispered, her voice shaking with fear. It is the new mother. She has come and she's brought her luggage in a black leather bag that's hanging on her arm. <gasps> what shall we do? wept Blue Eyes. And again, there was the terrible knocking. Come and put your back against the door too, Turkey, cried Blue Eyes. I'm afraid it will break. So together they stood with their two little backs against the door. There was a long pause. They thought perhaps the new mother had made up her mind that there was no one at home to let her in and would go away. But presently, the two children heard through the thin wooden door the new mother move a little and then say to herself, I must break open the door with my tail. Oh, for one terrible moment, all was still. But in it, the children could almost hear her lift up her tail. And then, with a fearful blow, the little painted door was cracked and splintered. With a shriek, the children darted from the spot and fled through the cottage and out at the back door into the forest beyond. All night long, they stayed in the darkness and the cold, and all the next day, and the next, and all through the cold, dreary days and the long, dark nights that followed. They are there still, my children. All through the long weeks and months have they been there with only green rushes for their pillows and only the brown dead leaves to cover them feeding on the wild strawberries in the summer or on the nuts when they hang green on the blackberries when they are no longer sour in the autumn, 
winter on the little red berries that ripen in the snow. They wander about among the tall, dark firs or beneath the great trees beyond. Sometimes they stay to rest beside the little pool near the copse. That's a growth of small trees where the ferns grow thickest and they long and long with a longing that is greater than words can say to see their own dear mother again, just once again, to tell her that they'll be good forevermore, just once again. Mm, and still, the new mother stays in their little cottage, but the windows are closed and the doors are shut and no one knows what the inside looks like. Now and then, when the darkness has fallen and the night is still, hand in hand, blue eyes and the turkey creep up near to the home in which they once were so happy. And with beating hearts, they watch and listen. Sometimes a blinding flash comes through the window and they know it is the light from the new mother's glass eyes. Or they hear a strange muffled noise and they know it is the sound of her wooden tail as she drags it along the floor.